0: you going to say your
1: thing? Welcome to the golden age of media. We are two people who were born in the mid-70s. We started the 80s as little kids and we left as teenagers. This podcast will revisit some of our favorite moments of 80s media, be it books, music, TV shows, movies, whatever. Whatever. worked out here yeah i need the i need a millennial sidekick to do my uh, electronic bidding for me
0: when i got my first um fancy like iphone i had a 10 year old who showed me how to use my phone properly
1: yeah i think i might have had the computer muted the first time Uh, should i I say your sister might have had the computer muted
0: let's blame her because it's probably her fault
1: well we I we share a computer
0: oh you have to share with her it's horrible i thought it was horrible
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i might just i I might purchase my own later on
0: right uh, like i'm a big boy and i want my own computer
1: right well so if she's doing shit for work and she mutes it and i'm just over here going why isn't this working why isn't this working
0: Yeah, all right I'll, uh, since i don't drive very far for work anymore we often take my car now instead of mike's car just so that my car gets driven around yeah and he keeps uh accidentally turning off my um uh what do you call it when you wanted to go the same speed cruise control there we go like i wanted to say traction control and i'm just like oh you're killing me smalls <laughs> Like I want my I want my stuff on. I want my cruise control on.
1: So when me and your sister alternate driving, she'll have the car hot as shit, and I'll have it cold. So <laughs> right. I get in and I'm fucking dying because the heat's turned up and the heated seats are turned on. And
0: yeah, I'm no, with- they'll like, say no, we don't fuck with that in my car. Nothing, nothing. It's just that he accidentally hits the button that turns the cruise control on and off on the steering wheel. Yeah. And at one point, though, I did say, are you touching my mirror? And he's like, no, I'm like, you better not touch my mirror. <laughs> right.
1: You could just move your whole body. You don't need to change that mirror.
0: Exactly. You, know, you never get into another person's car and change their seat or their mirror. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Yes.
1: So are we ready to get down to business?
0: Yep, I'm ready to get down to business. Uh, business.
1: So you have Scooby-Doo and some late 90s rappers to talk about
0: no i did the late 90s rapper yesterday uh, last week
1: oh okay so you don't have any new ones this week
0: no no new rappers this week have passed away for you nothing, <laughs> for your entertainment ben <laughs> nothing very far
1: outside of the ni- 80s
0: yeah so far the 80s the 90s don't even know what the 80s are right
1: right okay well i think we'll start today's show so today I'm going to talk about the Ozzy Osbourne live album Speak of the Devil. And you're going to talk about Scooby Doo and the 13 Ghosts. I am. And we're going to talk about the movie Night of the Comet. Amazing. And then we have a little closer. That's going to be a surprise.
0: I was going to say, yeah. Well, I got to also finish out the end of the Scooby Doo thing because I'm going to do it in two parts. The first part is going to be the 1985 um, TV series. And then the follow up ends its tale section, the second section would be the 13th ghost movie that came out in 2019 to wrap up the entire series. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Because as a child, they just left it with not all the ghosts captured. They're like, go to sleep, dear children, Generation X, go to sleep. The most terrifying ghost in all the world is just running around free.
1: Being much young, being much younger, I consider myself Generation Y. But okay.
0: Um, you're not much younger. I thought we discussed you're about two years. <laughs> and you are not a Y, buddy. You're an X like the rest of us. You were a latchkey kid or whatever. You got left home at certain points in your life, <laughs> all yeah. alone. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: All right. Well, let's. You want to kick the show into gear here?
0: Yeah. Let's. What's up with Ozzy, man?
1: So. Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne was the vocalist and founding member of Black Sabbath, but he was fired from the band in 1979.
0: Wait, you said he was a founding member? Yeah. And he got fired. Yep. Those are some dick moves. All right.
1: Well, this you know when they all the things you've ever heard about Ozzy, like the crazy shit, or most of the crazy shit, like the pissing on the Alamo and biting off the bats' heads and all that shit. Yeah. This is, that's all late 70s, early 80s. This, so they fired Ozzy when he was basically a fucking mess.
0: Okay, so I get it now. All right.
1: I mean, you know, relationships are work and maybe Black Sabbath should have thought of that before they got involved with Ozzy.
0: You maybe looked at him and be like, any relationship with that dude's going to be a lot of fucking work. He can barely speak. He once snorted a line of ants or something.
1: <laughs> like, According yeah. to the Molly Crew movie, he did. But, yes, uh, he- you know, I guess if I, you know, when you're in a, a relationship like that, if the other person doesn't want to change, maybe Ozzy was toxic to the rest of Black Sabbath, so maybe they were correct
0: Aww. in letting him go. Like they went to therapy like Metallica did, and they are like, fuck it, Ozzy's got to go.
1: Yeah, maybe yeah. they did. I, I, yeah. I don't really think they did. I don't think in the late 70s people did that yet. True. But, so he was fired from the band in 1979, and between then and now, Ozzy and Black Sabbath have put the past behind them but 1981 is definitely not the case. <laughs> but
0: 81 is still fresh. <laughs>
1: yeah, 81, the hurts are still, the, the scars are still there. The wounds
0: if, are still bleeding, and he's pissed.
1: <laughs> yeah, they have not faded with time.
0: Yes. <laughs> so
1: we'll go back to a time when both camps were definitely feuding and there was still ill will in the air and busy Ozzy Oz at double live album, Speak of the Devil. Although Ozzy had released two great solo albums, Diary of a Madman and Blizzard of Oz, Speak of the Devil is compromised entirely of songs originally recorded by Black Sabbath. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Them I, fighting words. Well. <laughs> Them fighting songs.
1: He's doing the jealous X thing here.
0: Right. So, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. My sources are Wikipedia and ultimateclassicrocks.com. So we'll briefly talk up well, before we get started, we'll briefly talk about Quiet Riot. So Quiet Riot at this time had released two albums in Japan and and had yet to release their album, Metal Health, which would be the album that put them on the map. Right. Randy Ozzy in this story, he has roughly half of Quiet Riot in his solo band with Randy Rhodes on guitar. Randy Rhodes played guitar in Quiet Riot before he was with Ozzy. Okay. So the famous era of Quiet Riot, Randy Rhodes is already dead, but he was- a Really? 15. Yeah. Randy Rhodes dies in 1982. oh my uh,
0: gosh i guess i didn't realize
1: that okay so randy rhodes and rudy sarzo were the guitar and bass of uh quiet riot and ozzy's poached them for his solo band and then they have tommy aldridge who is most notably of the band black oak arkansas as ozzy's drummer at this time
0: okay
1: it may seem this era that ozzy is hard to work with since this lineup is almost entirely different from the blizzard of oz album only a year or two before from what I understand, there are multiple reasons for Ozzy to make an album of Black Sabbath songs. One reason is that the publishing had expired, and by re-recording the songs, Ozzy would benefit from the royalties.
0: Okay, but, uh, not, not, not a bad idea.
1: I think that's just a, that's a bullshit excuse, because okay. the other reason I've heard, which I think is the real reason, is that Black Sabbath, who is now fronted by Ronnie James Dio, is working okay. on their own live album called Live Evil. And as Ozzy's manager at the time and future wife Sharon said, something to the effect of recording the lo- songs live with the real singer. Oh, yeah.
0: She is known for her little sassy mouth. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So You know, they took it as an affront to have, you know, songs from the original era of Black Sabbath that Ozzy sang on the albums to have Ronnie James Dio singing them. So they they were they were trying to beat the other black they were trying to beat Black Sabbath to the stores with their live renditions of the Black Sabbath classics. And how do you
0: how do you, who do you think won that
1: fight? Oh, you'll find out later.
0: Oh, 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 okay.
1: Don't jump ahead now. Don't jump ahead. Okay, okay, okay. So this album has has one problem after another. Originally, initially initially that's not a fucking word
0: initially okay bitches
1: <laughs> so additionally <laughs> the plan was for a great rock and roll live show taking place at Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens with half naked girls on stage and the whole thing videotaped for home video release it sounds great doesn't it yeah well Ozzy's band didn't think so after making two great albums they thought they had established themselves as a band and not just you know the guy from Black Sabbath's backing band True, they thought recording an album of all Black Sabbath songs would be a step backwards professionally, and initially they refused to participate.
0: Oh, I kind of get it because you're like, Um, we're not just some studio band, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: well, they, they did have uh Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman, they are good albums, yeah. So, you know, Randy Rhodes is kind of the leader of the band, and he said, You know, we have. We have, we can make a set list of great songs. We don't need to just go back to Black Sabbath songs. True, and, uh, true. So Sharon Osborne took the news well, or Sharon, uh, oh God, I forgot, I made a new something. Else.
0: Not yet Osborne.
1: <clears throat> Sharon, someday going to be Osborne. Right. She took it well, but Ozzy responded by going on a drinking binge and firing the whole band. <laughs> but the band. They sounds like he tour. has really
0: good coping skills for when things don't go his way
1: yeah it's yeah. hard to see how he got fired yeah but the problem with that is they were on tour so he couldn't really fire everybody in the middle of the tour
0: he's like that's it you're fired everybody um, find someone else that knows all the songs by tomorrow yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: but that didn't really matter because Ozzy forgot he even did it anyways because he was drunk at the time no shit <laughs> but funny. he still insisted on poking Black Sabbath in the proverbial eye So he kept pressing on Randy Rose to do the album, which he finally begrudgingly agreed to, but he let the Osbournes know that upon fulfilling his contractual obligations, he would be leaving the band. We'll never know if Ozzy and Randy would have made up, because Randy died in a plane crash in March of 1982, and this tragedy was yet another setback for a live album, as well as Ozzy personally. Ah. So that's why he not, I don't, um. The album Metal Health by Quiet Riot, the one
0: Bang Your Head. Yeah. Metal Hollow yeah. Drive, you crazy. That
1: yeah. comes out in 1983. So Randy this. Oh. He was still in Ozzy's band and he died. So. And
0: then he died. Oh, that's a bummer, dude.
1: So Randy was replaced by a guy named Bernie Torme for a couple of months in 1982. And in the, uh, we'll call it the Ozzy Osbourne Uninspired Hearts Club Band. <laughs> because Bernie Cormier is then replaced by Brad Gillis a couple of months later. Brad will not see New Year's Eve 1982 as a member of the band, because according to Wikipedia, he will be replaced by Jakey e. Lee as the fourth guitarist of 1982. But what Brad does manage in his brief tenure is to record our ill-fated album, Speak of the Devil.
0: Ba, 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 ba.
1: In September of 1982, the newly formed backup band started rehearsing the songs for the album, with the exception of Paranoid, Children of the Grave, and Iron Man, as there were already versions recorded with Randy Rhodes on guitar, which were planned to be used on the album. So they would play them for the fans of the shows, but they wouldn't be recorded again. Okay. Morale was low as the band was still dealing with Randy's death, and they were pushed to record a live album they didn't want to do. But yeah. Ozzy, was, Ozzy was nowhere to be found and did not show up for the rehearsals. The album was recorded at two shows in New York City on the 26th and 27th of September 1982, and the decision was made to record a set with no audience in case there was any issues with the recording of the shows that they would have material to fall back on.
0: Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, well, you know, in case the tape got fucked up or someone kicks over the microphone or whatever. I get it, All right,
0: so, so they're going to have... hear one dude yelling really close to the mic or something, yeah? Yeah,
1: so they have a whole set of songs that's not fucked up yet.
0: Okay.
1: But Ozzy, who hadn't rehearsed with the band, showed up on the first day of the first show for the sound check. and could not not remember the lyrics to the songs.
0: (sighs) Jesus. Put the coke down, dude. Jesus. Yeah, well,
1: he had, like I said, he hadn't even shown up for any of the rehearsals they had done in the days leading up to the shows.
0: He sounds like an awesome co-worker. He's that one dude you're like, who am I working with today? Ozzy? Oh,
1: fuck! (laughs) It's kind of funny now that, uh, you know, Ozzy is such a well-known household name, but he was really hovering around has the has been status here in 1982, right? Because he was most he was mostly just known as the guy the guy who used to be in Black Sabbath at this point.
0: Just 40 short years ago, he was about to be a has been. Yeah, yeah.
1: So Ozzy, having shaved his head while drunk, took to the stage bald, wearing sweatpants. Having forgotten many of the lyrics, he had a folding chair with a desk lamp on the center of the stage. Holding a notebook of handwritten Black Sabbath lyrics that you read from while performing. Oh,
0: but that was awesome. Yeah. You are the gonna be the demon. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if I poisoned my opinion by learning the facts of this album before I listen to the before I listen to it. Okay. It, sounds, it sounds professionally played by competent musicians hired for a job, but it doesn't sound passionately played by musicians okay. enjoying their work okay if you know what i mean like I they don't do you it mean. bad and like i don't know if, like i don't know if i just think that because i already i read all this before we re- re-listened to the album okay so like it's played good and everything but it's not it just doesn't have like a vibe like they're really into it
0: oh yeah this is no um oh what was his name the guy that did the song about toe in the line rocky Burnett. yeah you know how enthusiastic they were, his band? This is the opposite of that.
1: Right. Those this
0: people is, were 1000% in.
1: They say if you love what you do, you'd never work a day in, their, in your life. But These this band. These
0: people were working is, hard,
1: huh? Yeah, this band was definitely working. So. They work
0: hard for the money. Yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> after the recording, a decision was made to shelve the tracks with Randy Rhodes because they thought it was too soon after his death. And they decided to use versions of the. Those songs I mentioned before that weren't supposed to be recorded,
0: yeah,
1: I Had they recorded them anyway. <laughs> so Rudy Sarza was shocked because he had let loose on Iron Man, Children of the Grave, and Paranoid because they would only rehearsed them a few times. They weren't supposed to be part of the album anyway, oh, and, fuck. and he was all pissed off at his at his sloppy playing.
0: Oh, bad! He was like, "Man, I was just fucking around. I would have actually right. tried had I known." <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and then some of the tra- some of the tracks from the uh unattended set the you know the one i was talking about before with no audience
0: uh-huh
1: those end up being part of the album with uh fake audience noises dubbed in
0: like cheering and shit yeah that's weak as hell but go yeah. on yeah
1: <laughs> so and then so the shows are 20 the 26th and 27th of september 1982 and ah. on separate september 28th the day after the show the whole band flies back without ozzy osborne to los angeles Brad Gillis plays the guys a demo for his, the debut album of his other band, Night Ranger. And Rudy Sarzo plays the guys a tape of the yet unreleased Quiet Riot album, Metal Health, which ah. is featured in their biggest hit, the title track, also known as Bang Your Head.
0: Exactly.
1: Rudy and Brad both quit Ozzy's band shortly after returning home. This would be the only Ozzy album for Brad and the last for Rudy. But in a way, this tale of of a troubled album has a happy ending if your name happens to be John Michael Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> because he did manage to get Speak of the Devil out a month before Black Sabbath released Live Evil. And he also outsold the Black Sabbath live album.
0: Oh, fucking course he did. So of course it worked out for his cursed ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, he won. So by having to start over with another backing band a year later to record the next album, Bark at the Moon, The self-proclaimed Prince of Darkness came out on top.
0: Well, I'll never forget the time that I saw, I think it was like his show with his family went off there and then it came back or at some point, one of the shows anyways, I just happened to tune in and they're showing him what the show is going to look like that night and you see all these bubbles flying.
1: He's like, bubbles,
0: I can't have any bubbles. And Sharon's like, why not? He's like, I'm the Prince of fucking Darkness.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. I didn't watch the show, but I saw that one. Yeah, yeah, right. I just happened to see that one too. So
0: Ozzy
1: won. And, uh, Ozzy won, yeah, you know, I, I'm the uh, the, the silver line to this black cloud is that this album hadn't been a total clusterfuck. Brad <laughs> might have never left Ozzy's band, and Night Ranger would have never recorded Sister Christian.
0: Oh, the time has come.
1: And you know, that scene in Boogie Nights with Sister Christian, yeah, with the buildup and the tension in the room
0: Uh uh-huh
1: i mean they would have they would have had to use a completely different song if sister christian didn't exist see it's like a butterfly
0: happened so that it could come together
1: yeah it's a butterfly effect
0: exactly
1: if ozzy would have been a drunken mess and kind of a fucking madman brad gillis might have been like i'm gonna keep playing with ozzy you know and
0: see and then who knows what would have happened with his career yeah we don't we don't see into the future
1: no kind of never (laughs) happens Imagine all the county fairs that wouldn't have had Night Ranger for years to come.
0: Exactly. How can you ride a roller coaster if you're not listening to Night Ranger?
1: (laughs) So that is my two cents on the Ozzy Osbourne album, Speak of the Devil. I don't think he's really super proud of that album because it's not in print anymore.
0: Okay, I get it. You
1: know, most Ozzy Maybe he finally
0: just admits that it was a dick move to himself.
1: Yeah, there's a thing in the Wikipedia where a geezer butler from Black Sabbath is kind of like, you know we're both Ozzy and Black Sabbath we're both in uh, shitty spots in 1982 and we had to make our stupid live album and he had to make his stupid live album and let's just not talk about it
0: yeah let's pretend like it never happened okay everybody let's move on all right <laughs> okay so I will tell you about so Scooby-Doo the actual tv show originally came out in 1969 which is the same year that Sesame Street came out. And I'm just, I was like, that's a good year for kids' television programs. That's all I can was say. Was it
1: 69? Uh.
0: No, I said kids, motherfucker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, kidding. but those kids. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, 1960- I always fuck with my husband like that. If he says anything sort of is like <laughs> like funny in any way and it mentions kids, I'm always like, you sick, nasty old man. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't pay kindly to pedophiles in prison.
0: That's right. I heard that literally they do use you as target practice.
1: <laughs> but if kids if kids any kids in 1969 would be older than me. So oh my
0: god. Yeah, I wasn't born in 69 yet either. Right.
1: So yeah. they would be the perverts, not me.
0: Maybe. We'll see what happens when you get to jail, which we'll figure out what jail rules are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll just is,
1: be in the Aryan Brotherhood.
0: Yeah, right. I know. You're like, I'll shave, I've got my head shaved already. I'm one foot in. Okay, so one is called The 13 Ghosts of... So this one that came out in 85 is called 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, and it was just one season, like one season right in the middle of the decade. And The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo was the first Scooby-Doo show that had actual supernatural creatures like ghosts, dragons, vampires, witches. And it's not just adults playing dress-up. It's not adults being monsters. It's just actual monsters. Oh, right. Yeah, and the one thing I kept thinking is, like, in the 80s, they don't want kids to feel safe they're like monsters are real now okay we, we fucking from 69 to 85 we let you guys think that everything's cool but it's not cool because monsters are real all right well, horror and thunder really like don't forget in a blink of an asteroid your whole world could be decimated the end good night children
1: <laughs> it seems like horror was really big in the 80s i don't know if it's just because i was more aware of it because i was uh you know a kid consuming media
0: yeah most well, I was weird. also super into horror in the '80s, and like I said, I was very, very into the Saturday Shockers, which happened all the way through the '80s, and that yeah. was like my time to watch a scary movie because I not, wasn't allowed to rent them. So, not, yeah.
1: and I can't make a shocker comment because you'll say something about kids, and you know, even though you're older, i would be
0: me. like, "You disgusting old man!" <clears throat> yeah. Even
1: though you're older than me, so you'd be the disgusting old lady.
0: I am a disgusting old lady, so take that. Mm. (laughs) like you can't insult me because it's true
1: That why you brought the shocker then you pervert
0: (laughs) quite you disgusting old man (laughs) so the premise is that there's this demon chest that contains the world's most terrifying 13 ghosts inside and it can only be opened by the living so you know ghosts can't let each other out
1: is this before or after the evil dead this has got to be after
0: the evil dead yeah what evil dead
1: what do you mean? What Evil Dead? The Evil Dead. Sam Raimi's. Oh, Evil, Evil Dead, Dead the
0: movie. Okay, so the Evil Dead the movie. We're talking about the original one. I think this is after.
1: So this originally, sound...
0: Isn't that like eighty? Like the early eighties. This is mid eighties.
1: Doesn't 80s. this premise kind of sound like he's letting the shit out of the cellar? Like somebody the... read the
0: Necronomicon and now, yeah. they, now they came out. You know it's possible except for there was no they accidentally opened up a chest instead of read a book so kind of sort of. well they
1: can't they can't copy it word for word no They're, i thought we
0: agreed with shane and steel dawn that you can i thought no. we agreed on that
1: well but steel dawn's just that slightly bit different just that slight has that little slight differences where it'd be hard to prove in court
0: i doubt it no absolutely the guy in the future with the desert is exactly like the, the western okay. <laughs> yeah okay so back to scooby Um, So the show actually starts with Daphne, Scooby, Shaggy, and that asshole Scrappy. They're supposed to be flying to Hawaii with Shaggy as the pilot, but the navigator Scooby accidentally reads the wrong map and he takes them to the Himalayas. Now, due to ghost magic, the plane starts to go down, all right? Yeah. Shaggy and Scooby, they accidentally blow up this giant rubber duck that the plane is like pulling as it slowly descends. And Daphne's now in the pilot seat and the two guys, Shaggy and Scooby are in the back with the duck and they accidentally scoop up what looks to be an eight-year-old. He's a con artist and his name is Flim Flam. And Flim Flam introduces everybody to Vincent Van Gool who ends up assisting them with his magic. Okay. Now there's two characters in this TV show that I will not bring up again because I mean, they're in every episode but I don't think they're necessary. There's these two dumb ghosts called Weird and Bogle yeah and they're they're on the side of the imprisoned ghosts and they often do comic relief they're actually the ones that take the plane down so they do some shit but i just feel like they're unnecessary i think that are to show kids like ghosts are scary but here are two that aren't too scary kids <laughs> because we're trying not to actually kill you with stress just freak you out a little <laughs> you know right so vincent tells the kids that the town folks so are basically like
1: these ghosts. ghosts these ghosts are like casper they're not trying to break out of the basement saying in uh screaming dead by dawn dead by yeah, dawn
0: yeah right they're not gonna scream dead by dawn and you could probably take them in a fight but they're still ghosts you know what i yeah. mean but like here's one you could take in a fight is basically what they're saying okay. so they um they find out that the town folk are actually werewolves and they change when the sun goes down so vincent tells them like you should leave his name is vincent van goole he's played by vincent price so when they go to their plane, they're tricked into the opening demon chest. And that's when they accidentally release the 13 ghosts. Yeah. So the TV show has 13 episodes. And each episode has one ghost being caught by Scooby-Doo and the gang and being put back in the chest, right? Yeah. But because the first episode shows how the ghost came to be released. The show ended with 12 of the 13 ghosts being captured. And the, the, the last episode, it just is like a regular episode. They make a little Scooby Doo joke, and that's it. So <laughs> there's no second season, there's no follow up because they wanted 80s kids to know like the worst ghost ever is still out there, children. Good night.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so they do fix this in 2019. They do a follow up movie, and it's called Scooby Doo and the Curse of the 13th Ghost. And I'll go over that later. Okay. So I'm just going to give you like an example episode from the TV show. So, All episode right. eight is um, called When You Witch Upon a Star.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was like, ah, that's cute. It has no witches, it has no stars, but somebody's like, here's a cute name, and another one's like, put it on this episode. It's like Halloween, <laughs> like,
1: Halloween uh, part three has no Michael Myers.
0: See, exactly. I, I honestly own that one and love Halloween three. Yeah, and I, and I feel like people are too mean to it. All right, yeah, <laughs> the silver shamrock can be scary, right? Okay, right, <laughs> it so, probably should
1: just, it probably should have been called halloween
0: okay so he did okay john carpenter did say he was trying to make an anthology but people just shat upon number three so hard that he couldn't do it he had to go back to just making halloween halloween movies yeah because they had
1: fucking people have no imagination
0: exactly thank you all right so for scooby-doo this episode shows up with this gang going after the seventh ghost and her she's a witch named marcella Mm -hmm. and vincent's magic picks up on a trio of female witches that look and act like the three stooges Like literally, one goes yuck 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 when she's laughing, like yuck 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 or whatever. How the fucking curly does it? All right, you talking about yeah. So I was just thinking, you know, in the '80s, they were like, you know, what's going to really bring the kids in? The Three Stooges from the '60s, because that's going to be something they can really
1: reference. I think they're even older than that. You think think it's something? You think it's something they thought the parents would enjoy?
0: Okay, but I was about to say though, full full disclosure. If I, um, you know, was going to be treated by my dad to TV, the three things he would let me stay up late and watch with him, we'd stay up and watch TV late together were the Three Stooges, Benny Hill, and martial arts films. Benny Hill? Yes. Dude, I got none of the jokes until one day as an adult, I'm watching and I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I had no GD idea as a kid. I was dumb. What can I say? But Yeah. So I'm like, I got all the Three Stooges things, but I just thought, oh, you could tell that adults are making a cartoon. That's all I can say. Yeah. (laughs) So they're watching on Vincent's crystal ball, Marcella, that witch, pulls up on the three witch stooges, and she provides them this black book of spells, and she's like, look, this is going to make you powerful. All I wanted is exchanges for you guys to do, like, number spell 13 at Stonehenge, tonight at midnight, and the Three Stooges witches are all in, right? Mm shaggy scooby scrappy Fl- daphne flim flam everybody heads off to steal the book from the witches imagine the regular scenes that ensue chasing
1: they steal the book they lose the book etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah is Vincent there like Gil- a part where they're like running in and out of a like a big house and there's a there's bunch of doors types
0: different doors and then sometimes they're carrying the ghost and yep twice and got, oh and
1: then they like open the door and the ghost is right there and they're like oh and they turn around and go the other yeah. way and
0: then I'll, yeah scuba shag go running through one door and the next time they're running and the ghost is you know in front of them and then they realize it yeah just like that
1: yeah
0: <laughs> so vincent goes to the evil zone which is this a land of darkness and demons and he tries to find marcella's mist and he runs into her witch ghost marcella and he insults her he trash talks her then she whips his ass and takes him prisoner. So who's the real bitch, Vincent? Yeah. Anyway, he does get loose later. So the last ditch effort to save the day goes down at Stonehenge with Scoob and his friends trying to grab the book. And Vincent arrives on the scene to help. And he messes with the book of spells. And he changes spell 13, which would release her evil upon the earth to one that puts her back into the chest. So yeah. the three stooges perform that spell. She goes, Marcella goes back into the chest. The magical trio of stooges are deemed harmless and everybody does a choreograph together a choreographed dance together at the end boom 1980s the end
1: great
0: yeah and then i'll tell you later on about how they wrap up getting that 13th ghost and what they do with the movie which let me just say it is actually really well written when it comes to doing like callbacks you know when they talk about things that are supposed to happen in the um when they're calling back to things that happened in the tv show yeah somebody did a very good job of writing this my husband and i were like somebody is out there doing a good job of writing cartoons (laughs) it's amazing they did a very good job of calling stuff back from the so you're
1: saying the continuity works like
0: it really does it really really does and i'll I'll tell you i'll tell you when i tell you the second part but first isn't there something you want to tell me well actually we can talk about it together because i also enjoy night of the comet
1: okay i guess we'll talk about 1984's night of the comet
0: yes and then I'll, I'll follow it up with the, the 2019 scooby-doo curse of the 13th ghost
1: oh right
0: okay talk to me
1: night of the comet 1984's yeah. night of the comet so my main sources were wikipedia and imdb Oh, and i should then, say
0: my two main sources are my dvd collections
1: yeah well I, yeah. and i also watched the movie <laughs>
0: yes i'm like i own all the scooby-doo dvds basically yeah, yeah
1: basically uh, the only things I really got from the interwebs were uh cast members names
0: yeah oh yeah you know what I actually did look up to see who did Vincent Price's Vincent Price's voice yeah because they did such an amazing job because he died in 1993 yeah so he was his own voice in the cartoon show but when it came to the follow-up movie they had to hire someone else and it was so good that even before I decided to write anything on it I looked his name up
1: was it Vincent D'Onofrio
0: no it's Maurice LaMarche
1: oh okay
0: and I'm just like, you're amazing, Maurice. I could not even tell the fucking name. Even my husband, who does play we do was like, that was good. <laughs> I was like, right?
1: And his name's not even Vincent.
0: <laughs> exactly. Or even his not real last name, Price. Yes. Yeah. But I'm ready to listen now.
1: <laughs> <You> sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So the mo- night of the comet. The movie opens. We are getting ready to watch the comet. You think this is supposed to be kind of like a take on Haley's comment from when we were kids? Yeah. So everyone's getting ready to watch the comment. Our main I thought pick- it was from
0: Day of the Triffids where everybody watched the comment. They actually stole this movie from Day of the Triffids, but go ahead.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. The no, whole, whole fucking thing's ruined. Well,
0: oh, fucking comment. comments, people watching comments. That's how both movies start. That's all I'm saying.
1: But, but I was say- saying that Haley's comment was like a, a, a timely.
0: True, because that happened when we were kids, and it's never coming back till we're dead again.
1: It was a pop culture phenomenon in the 80s.
0: True. And it comes yeah. back every 70 years, so uh, yeah. if you're in my family, you're not going to be running to watch it twice, let's just say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess, theoretically, I might be able to make it to the second time. But... You
0: could, probably.
1: But uh, So the movie opens. Everyone's outside getting ready to watch the Comet. We meet our main character, Regina, at the movie theater. Where she works, and her boss, Mel, who's played by Stanley Brock, who to me will live on forever in my mind as Weird Al's Uncle Harvey in UHF.
0: Absolutely, agreed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Regina is working, in quotes, and she's playing a video game in the lobby where she ends her game to see that the initials of the high, every high score are hers except for one set of initials, DMK, which frustrates Reggie as she doesn't know who DMK is
0: someone ruined her perfect screen she talks about yeah like this was fucking perfect who got on the high on the high scoreboard yeah
1: but he's not even number one he's like number six but
0: yeah but she added all her name and now somebody else is on there oh, girl yeah. i understand don't
1: worry. <laughs> so yes next we find we find out that regina's boyfriend larry is the projectionist and he's making a deal with someone to make a bootleg copy of a movie and to accomplish this this him and reggie have to spend the night in the theater. So they can have the movie reel back in place when the theater opens the next day, so nobody will suspect anything. Central to the plot is that the projection booth has metal walls due to fire code.
0: Exactly, it's gonna take place later. You're gonna need that later.
1: You're gonna need to remember that.
0: You're gonna need that later. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we, we meet our younger sister Samantha next at the house as she answers the phone when Reggie is calling to make calling home and to make an excuse for her stepmother Doris as to why she'll be out all night. Mm-hmm. Doris this certainly is certainly
0: not having sex at the theater
1: did you catch the one line where uh, Stanley um, not Stanley Mel his real name Stanley yeah. he's uh, talking about how Regina doesn't work when she's on the clock and uh, he says that she's doing to him what uh, Larry's doing to her in the projection booth uh,
0: getting screwed eh
1: yeah <laughs> So That's Doris awesome. doesn't seem to buy her story about this all. Oh, yeah. So she's making a, up a story for Doris, her stepmother washed be all night. And yeah. Doris doesn't buy her story about an all-night science trip to the planetarium mm-hmm. because of the comet, which in Doris' defense, Doris's defense, we also know it's bullshit.
0: We do know it's bullshit. Sorry, girl.
1: But Regina <laughs> basically tells Doris she's 18 and whatever, she's not coming home.
0: True, Doris lets her
1: know that she doesn't really care what happens to them, but she's been entrusted with their care by the girl's father who's active military and is currently deployed.
0: Like, bitch, I don't care what happens to you, but if you get in trouble, then your dad's gonna be mad at me, so.
1: Yeah, it's basically how she phrases it.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, so D- by Dora, she's throwing a comet party, and Sam accuses her of infidelity with a neighbor. Your argument turns physical, and Sam ends up Sam uh, ends up spending the night in a steel garden shed. Metal. Yeah,
0: exactly. Notice the metal reference Mm. Uh, again i just want to point that out i just want to
1: point it out so it's at this point the comet comes it's implied earlier in the film that this comet came by last when the dinosaurs roamed the earth and they were extinct shortly after we see the next morning the city is empty and there are sets of empty clothes everywhere with piles of red dust
0: that is my favorite so you'll see like a shirt and a pair of pants just laying out perfectly not like all wadded up like it fell yeah. But like someone laid it out on the ground nicely with little scoops of little piles of red dirt <laughs> next to each one.
1: Just because you've been vaporized doesn't mean you have to be a pig. You can take care of your clothes.
0: <laughs> so when you're vaporized, your clothes are going to neatly fall to the ground. <laughs>
1: yes. yes. We rejoin Reggie and her boyfriend Larry the morning after at the theater where Larry is visibly distressed that his accomplice in movie piracy has not returned the projection reel. Larry decides he needs to go look for the guy with the movie at which point Reggie, who spent the night with Larry having sex, asked, do I at least get an egg McMuffin?
0: Which I've had to ask before.
1: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: It happens. Sometimes you'll be like, wait, can I get a Capri on my way out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> listen, as long as you don't wake the kids up
0: right yours <laughs> is fine yeah
1: Though, so, as we will find out she does not get an egg mcmuffin but as inconsiderate sexual partner Larry will quickly get his just desserts because as he opens the door to the theater he's assaulted by what we will call for the sake of convenience a zombie
0: okay i was gonna call it a zombie as well
1: yeah it's referred to as a zombie in some of the stuff i read but i don't know i you know well, um,
0: zombies we think of somebody that was dead and then came back to life and these yeah. people are just kind of like mind, mindless human beings
1: so the people who are get full exposure to the comet they just turn to dust but people with partial exposure turn into kind of crazy angry mutant type zombies in a proto 28 days later since true the zombie bashes larry with a huge pipe wrench killing him uh-huh mm-hmm.
0: so,
1: So Regina, we find her again. She's in the lobby playing the video game, trying to get rid of DMK's score and is unaware of Larry's fate and goes outside and accidentally locks herself out of the theater. It's when we encounter Larry's killer that we see her able to take care of herself as she kicks the zombie's ass and gets away on Larry's motorcycle.
0: That's right.
1: So it's noted in the Wikipedia article that she's the inspiration for the creation of Buffy Summers of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Really? yeah i couldn't find any evidence of that per se but it does seem that regina and her also sam yeah um they were kind of like what joss made envisioned for buffy and that they were women who kick ass in a horror or a sci-fi movie they aren't just pretty victims
0: yeah you know what you're right because they do whoop some ass in this movie
1: so it's it's implied in the story that their military father taught them to shoot guns and take care of themselves uh-huh But since this movie was released in 1984 they are significantly ahead of buffy summers
0: true
1: but i couldn't find (laughs) anything from i i couldn't find anything where joss wheaton said like oh regina and sam from night of the comet
0: yeah it really gave me inspiration for buffy i get it
1: but they did do it first so true but anyway back to the story back to it (laughs) <laughs> Regina is riding a motorcycle through the empty city streets on her way home to check on Sam. Upon arriving, she finds Sam's alive and well. Tool shed.
0: Tool shed. <laughs>
1: but oblivious to the situation.
0: Yeah.
1: Reggie kind of gets. Sleep in the
0: to, shed. No big deal. I sometimes I sleep in the shed too.
1: <laughs> but uh, you know, because you know, Sammy's, she's wanting to, uh, she wants to go to cheerleading practice, and she's trying to get people on the phone, and. Yeah. But uh They're like anyway. you don't understand
0: there's clothes out there with red dust all around them.
1: Yeah, she's like everybody's gone. <laughs> yes. So Regina gets her up to speed and they and then they decide to go to the radio station because they think there must be someone on the air since there's a DJ on the radio. Yes. But when they arrive at the station, they find yeah. out it's the DJ, it's just a pre-recorded tape playing on its own.
0: Dun, 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 dun.
1: But they do need to meet another survivor, Hector, who spent Ooh, the night Eric
0: Estrada, his... isn't it?
1: No, it's not Eric Estrada.
0: No, he's in that, but he's played in something else. Actually, Mike and I were just talking about that the other day. Why am Um, I forgetting his name?
1: He's in something else. What?
0: He's in something
1: else. Robert Beltran is his name. Okay. And he is in Star Trek Voyager.
0: There we go. He's a red suit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you. I don't know why I said Eric Estrada. Please excuse me. I don't think all Latinx people
1: cuz just cuz nice. Eric Estrada is a lot older and looks nothing like him.
0: No, cuz like, just cuz Eric Estrada is um from like the same era and has the same split down the middle hair. Okay, that that's back in though. With your um hair split oh, that, down the middle, but the feathered of, back. Feathered back is still the old school, not new school. But your hair parted down the middle is new back in again.
1: It feels like uh every teenager in a movie from like 1975 to 85 Either they have that haircut or they have the kind of like longer, shaggy, bullish cut kind of thing. Not not necessarily a bull cut, but...
0: Well, not quite the Justin Bieber long, but the bull cut that like ends right where you don't have to whip your head to the side to see.
1: Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. So, anyway, Hector. Yeah, sorry. Hector spent the night in his truck. It starts metal. Mm, there you go. There we go. And, uh... Hector spent the night with a girl, the girl ran away, and she got torn apart by zombies, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, nice I, excuse, yeah, right? You didn't please well, her, and when she started to say shit, you threw her outside with the zombies. It's okay.
1: Yeah. Hector has a small handgun, which prompts Regina to make this somewhat racist comment that it's good for, quote, date night in the barrio, but they need more firepower.
0: I'm so sorry, the, the, the 80s were a racist, different time.
1: They were just less sensitive i don't know i don't know if it's i guess it's racist but i don't think it's uh mean racist
0: oh, oh it's the nice kind, it of-, it
1: kind of is though it. <laughs> the
0: nice kind
1: <laughs> well there's like the sort of accidental racist comments and there's the mean one and this really does does kind of border on mean one if you think about it
0: <laughs> well actually somebody recently said something that um that I did not know might be racist it said something what I would refer to as nice racism Some, but they said something like, "Of course, that young black man was um, like very polite. That's how they were raised." I was yeah. Just like, oh God. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. They spend the night in the station. Hector decides decides the next day that he's going to go home and check on his family. But he says they'll be back. Sure. So while they're there, Sam takes over the radio station because she can, and eventually they they actually get a call from a group of scientists out in the desert. The plot thickens. Heather gets home. Unfortunately, his family is gone, but he encounters a mutated child. He gets away from the zombie kid, but Hector, being a nice guy, just can't bring himself to shoot him. While the girls are temporarily on their own, Sam is upset because, for two reasons, she's still in her cheerleading outfit, And then her older sister, again, there's a little part where, you know, Sam's upset because Regina seems to get all the guys. You know,
0: that's so important in a young girl's life.
1: (laughs) You know, so there's only one guy guy left and Regina kind of got him.
0: Right, true.
1: (laughs) So they're temporarily on their own and she wants to get out of her cheerleader clothes. And that's a perfect excuse for an 80s shopping mall montage.
0: Cause you know, we needed one.
1: Yeah, baby. While yeah. Sam, while on their shopping spree, Sam asked Regina if Hector put the moves on and Regina says no. And Sam says, quote, he's either a gentleman or a fag. Oh, these are insensitive times in the eighties. God
0: damn it. Eighties. You, <laughs> you smell wrong. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> but we're not alone in the mall either.
0: Of course not. There's
1: a group of quote, stock boys led by Willie. And they're starting to mutate a little bit and get vicious and mean. Uh-huh. But one of the highlights for me is that we get line the one blonde stock boy that Willie ends up shooting.
0: Okay.
1: You know, because he can't let he can't have one of his people taking prisoners. Is right. uh, who some people may recognize as uh, he plays Jack Diddley in the Penelope Spear's punk rock B movie Suburbia.
0: I don't think
1: I know that one. No. Well, no. You check it out. If okay. you're, uh it's a, it's a, it's a. I think it's produced by Roger Corman, made by Penelope Spears. It's a, it's definitely a B movie, and in a, it lives on in punk rock legendary. Um, punk so, rock
0: legendary.
1: Chris Peterson, he's one of the main characters in the movie. He was an actual, you know, punk rocker, and he was playing in bands at the time. And Flea, uh, I think Flea's not even in the Red Hot Chili Peppers yet when they make that movie, but he's a. No shit. The I didn't know
0: that.
1: Yeah, so Flea and uh, Chris Peterson in a movie Suburbia, which was made by Penelope Spears in uh the early 80s.
0: I've actually been on a big red hot chili peppers kick lately, so I'm sorry. Oh, you better take that back.
1: <laughs> you could if you have some Pepto Bismol, I might make it better. You
0: better take it back or I will straight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sick
0: stands. I stand by that song. What? Sick of I don't
1: know. Kazoon type.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it on our Facebook page. It's uh red-on right chili peppers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I
0: swear to God. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, <no.
1: laughs> I mean, also, on the subject of punk rock movies, one of the other stock boys is uh, Dick Rude, who had a part in the Emilio Estevez punk rock B movie sci-fi classic Repo Man.
0: I do know Repo Man.
1: Do you know the one part where uh, the guy he's like the uh, he's one of he's one of his friends, and he uh, he gets killed robbing a store or something. He's like, I blame society. You remember that no, guy? I don't,
0: I don't remember that.
1: Well, that guy's Dick Rude, and he's also okay. a stock boy. Hey, your now. name
0: is Dick Rude. You get automatic awesome points in my mind.
1: I, I'm gonna go out the limb and say it's not his Christian name, it's not his birth certificate, but
0: hey, you don't know his parents could have been pretty creative. You don't know that
1: his, men, his name might have been Richard.
0: True, Richard Rude.
1: Or they could be, it could be like a George Foreman thing where all the sons are named Richard.
0: True,
1: so like his brother, Ravishing Rick Rude and then he would be dick rude
0: right <laughs> of course
1: i have no idea i don't think they're actually related but anyway both those movies repo man and uh, suburbia are both pretty essential viewing if you ask me or at least teenage me
0: teenage me
1: yeah yeah so while we're on the subject subject of b movies and character actors we rejoin our story at a point where the stock boys are dispatched by a group of scientists who come and save the day
0: Dun,
1: dun, dun, dun. Our scientists are led by dr carter who's played by accomplished character actor and father of juliet lewis jeffrey lewis dun, dun. for the longest time i never knew that was her dad i don't know i didn't piece it together
0: well actually until you just said it, i didn't know either <laughs> so that's actually pretty awesome
1: like i've seen him in a million things and uh i don't know i never thought i never just i mean they even have the same last name and everything so I don't know why I didn't. Piece well, Lewis together.
0: isn't exactly uncommon, right? Yeah,
1: but, but uh, yeah,
0: but now that you say that, they do kind of look alike.
1: I never knew he was Juliet Lewis's dad. I was oh. listening to an interview with her on uh, WTF, the Mark Marin podcast, and she's like, "My dad, Jeffrey Lewis," and starts talking about the shit he was in. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, Lewis, your dad, <laughs> the guy from Every Which Way But Lewis is your dad?" True. That's and, actually uh, awesome the other the other b movie great we have in this mary yeah
0: the other the other scientist
1: audrey white is played by mary warrenoff a favorite b movie heroine of ours
0: and she does a lot of b um b horror movies too yeah she does evil really well
1: and she was in a buck rogers episode or two
0: and she really was oh yeah that's right you sent me a picture of her yes she was (laughs)
1: So Regina goes to the scientists back to their secret lair, even though Dr. White is supposed to bring more survivors back to the lab. But Dr. Carter insists. Sam, along with Dr. White, stays behind to wait for Hector, who still hasn't returned from checking on his family. Uh Uh-oh. We see Sam scratching in a rash as Regina leaves. And we're led to believe that she may have been exposed and is turning. After Regina and everybody leaves, Dr. White gives her a shot to euthanize her. So, or sam hector returns and dr white tells him about how the group in the desert is slowly turning because they accidentally left some vents open exposing them to the comet and they're trying to find a cure So the doctors
0: right you're saying scientists
1: yep. yeah, yeah they're like trying to that. find a cure yeah dr white's giving up and gives herself a lethal injection
0: oh bummer
1: <sighs> goodbye mary warren off.
0: goodbye mary
1: so we find regina in the lab we meet two more survivors a young boy and girl in a comedic moment we see the boy is totally taken by regina saying she's neat and the girl in a caddy tone saying if you like that type uh, well, i thought it was kind of funny
0: uh, it's kind of cute i was like even as we're at the end of the apocalypse people are still bitchy <laughs>
1: yeah well the little girl's she he's the last boy her age on earth and he's he's got googly eyes for regina and she's just like whatever
0: He's got googly eyes for an older woman and the girl her age, like,
1: motherfucker. Yeah. So we find out the scientists don't have the survivor's best interest in mind, but in fact are using them in effect as blood banks, looking to develop a cure for their exposure. Regina is told that Sam has been killed and she fights her way out of the lab, and Hector comes to save the day along with surprise little sister Samantha. Turns out Dr. White only gave her a sedative so the rest of the group would think she was dead and not drain her blood. Ah, Yeah, so Sammy's alive. After the escape, we get to the end of the movie where Reggie and Hector are acting as a family with the two survivor children trying to reestablish society. And Sam laments that maybe she'll become a nun because her sister got the last guy on Earth. And as she's crossing a street, Regina scolds her about crossing against the light, which Sam scoffs. because They're the last people on Earth. There's nobody there. Then, then all of a sudden she almost gets hit by a car
0: a, a, a convertible yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah and so in the last few seconds we, in the last few seconds we meet another survivor and a boyfriend, for Samantha his name in case you're wondering is Danny Mason Keener you may, dun, re- dun,
0: dun, you may dun, dun,
1: recognize his initials from the van he plays he speeds away DMK Ah.
0: Uh...
1: So a, you're a Night of the Comet fan.
0: Am I? I am a big Night of the Comet fan. Yes.
1: They're talking about. It. They were talking about. It. There's supposed to be a remake. No. Yeah, I don't know why. I What's fucking why?
0: hate remakes. I usually shit upon remakes, but you want to know what? I watched some Mortal Kombat remake last night. Yeah. I am fucking all about it. Oh God, dang it! I <laughs> normally, <Enormous Yeah. laughs> I usually just hate remakes, and that yeah, like, Mortal Kombat one is so good.
1: Yeah, like why? I don't understand the. I used to think it was cool, and then after a while, I'm like, why? There's other stories to tell.
0: And sometimes it's like I already like this one. Why are you trying to fuck with it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. You can't
0: improve upon this. (laughs) I
1: could see making sequels or like a TV series or, you know. Yeah. Or sometimes
0: if this, if you've got like a long running series and things have gone sideways and you want to reboot it, I kind of get that too. Yeah. Yeah let me tell you about scooby-doo
1: oh okay i guess i'm done
0: you're done actually okay. all,
1: right. all right tell me about scooby-doo
0: i can tell from the um the tone of your voice that you've accepted the fact that you're done i can see that you might even be married to somebody in my family just from your tone <laughs> just from the beaten down tone of your voice
1: yeah your family <laughs> will do that to people
0: i know yeah i feel callous it's okay now <laughs> just playing
1: yeah are you done with your victory lap are you can tell me about scooby-doo or are you yeah, to...
0: say am i done mocking you for marrying yeah. my sister maybe for today but you know i'm gonna go at it again right <laughs> all right so the 2019 movie is called scooby-doo and the curse of the 13th ghost and it starts with vincent van gool and his friend mortifer and they have the chest of demons and it's they do like black and white cartoon to show you it's back in the day when you learn that Vincent originally found the chest of demons in this Egyptian tomb and a crowbar had knocked it open, and that's how the ghost had been released. Now Vincent and Mortifer caught the 13, including the last ghost, which we're now seeing for the first time, which is a horrifying winged and horned ghost a la Satan. You know what I mean? Yeah. It looks like Satan in ghost form.
1: <laughs> so you're saying he's he, this is the biggest this is the biggest ghost.
0: Yeah, he's considered the most terrifying ghost, and he's the one that's currently out that they didn't capture but this is him this is them showing um him being captured the first time the chest gets open because the chest gets open when they first grab the chest it gets knocked open by a crowbar and then it gets opened again in the 80s by scooby-doo and the gang right so, so this is them showing us back in the day how it op- got opened the first time
1: wait how did it open the first time
0: a crowbar knocked it open
1: so it's so not they- even it, it doesn't even have like a like a and what do you want to say like a mystical lock like uh it's not like no it
0: does so it has to be opened by a human so um while he was like sleeping or whatever vincent accidentally hit the crowbar he's holding the so his hands touching the crowbar the crowbar touches the because remember it has to be opened by a living person so he opened it when he hit it with crowbar on accident
1: so he it's not like hellraiser where it's a puzzle that has to be solved or anything
0: no they didn't go hellraiser they went demon face on a. Remember, Hellraisers for adults. This is Scooby-Doo for kids. They want the demon face on the chest, a purple one with red glowing eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you find out that this is Asmodeus. He's the 13th ghost, Uh and he's also one of Vincent's ancestors. Hmm. And, and both the men agree that the evil oh yeah okay oh and this is what happens oh you got me all messed up so they didn't originally there was no special lock on the chest there was the crowbar knocked it open
1: this then is, this they just be, seems like an accident waiting to happen
0: that's why that's why they agree that the evil minions the ghosts of asmodeus will try to open the box so that's when they put on the magical ward so that only live people can open it. So ghosts can't open it to let out other ghosts, et cetera. I thought
1: maybe like a little handle that you had to push down while you turned.
0: Well, like you needed one person to hold in the demon's eyes while the other person like tweaks its nose to open it.
1: Because mm, cool. remember there's a
0: demon head on the front. <laughs> so the two men decide that they're going to split up, right? They've got the 13th ghost in there. They're going to split up. Vincent runs off of the box. And Mortifer lures the ghost minions away, and they attack him. And then all of a sudden, boom, he just disappears. And Vincent doesn't see him again. So cue the Scooby credits, and you find out that we're now in, like, modern times. They were just trying to give us some info. It starts with the original Scooby gang, Fred Vilma. There's no Scrappy, even though there was in the TV show. And they're catching this guy, and he ends up, he's not the bad guy. They captured the wrong farmer or whatever so the sheriff walks up to him and says like you guys have to stop trying to solve crimes because you're about to turn 18 once you turn 18 people are going to charge you with harassment i'm going to take you to big people jail you're adults now and Mm -hmm. he's like if i even see you in the mystery machine i will arrest you yeah so they decided to stop they decided to stop doing mysteries the gang sells everything even the mystery machine and they sell everything at a garage sale now at the garage sale someone finds this crystal ball that Vincent used to use, his crystal ball, and it starts glowing. And just then, Vincent calls to Daphne and Shaggy saying that he's found the 13th ghost. They need to come back and catch him so that they can seal the demon chest closed forever. And that's when you find out that the, the show, The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, took place without Velma and Fred because they yeah. were away at summer camp. That's why That's why they weren't on the TV show. And Daphne and Shaggy and Scooby never talked to fred and velma about what happened that summer oh because yeah it led to having scooby scooby had a mental breakdown over ghosts being real
1: i thought you were gonna say that uh daphne had to have an abortion and she didn't want fred to know
0: yeah no the abortion was for the dark web they yeah. didn't want us to see it on the regular tv but the, there was it is on the dark web version
1: okay
0: yeah 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 so they agreed to never talk about ghosts again so so fred and velma are like what are you fucking talking about a, a chest with 13 ghosts in it Daphne's like, look, I'll talk to you guys on the way. We gotta go to Vincent. She puts on her old 80s outfit, fixes her hair back in the 80s thing. She shows.
1: Which is like a 60s thing, actually.
0: No, she actually does a side part 80s, actually, not that well,
1: it's not exactly the same as the 60s one.
0: No, not exactly different clothing, and she's not wearing a dress this time with high heels or whatever. She's wearing pants. It's nice. So she shows them the van that she used to drive on the TV show, which is like an old Toyota minivan with the bumper. Do you know what I'm talking about? The old Toyota bumper that was like three inches of bumper that comes away from the car. No. Okay. So anyway, she shows them the old van and it just fucks Fred up because it's a manual. And so he normally drives and he can't drive. You know, they sold the mystery machine and this new van's a manual. So Daphne's driving to Vincent's. The whole time, Velma's just calling BS because Velma's like, "Look, there's no way you guys spent the summer capturing ghosts because ghosts aren't real."
1: Right. And then
0: Fred is like getting extra fucked up because not only can he not drive, but this van is like '80s high-tech and his was '1969 low-tech. Right. It was like an empty cargo van. This right. has like a computer in the back, you know? He's got these all fucked up. So they're on the way to see Vincent in the Himalayas, and the van plunges off the cliff, and they end up popping back up out of the water because they had that ductal flotation device from the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. The one that managed to catch Flim Flam. And so they do stuff like that. They constantly are calling back, doing recalls back to the TV show. It was just really good. Right. So Scooby Doo makes a big deal out of people watching you from the cutout eyes of portraits. Uh huh. Which has never happened to me as an adult, but every now and then I have gone somewhere where there's like a hole in the wall and i like to put the, like toilet paper in the hole or whatever.
1: Yeah. So
0: we're done. Yeah. No, there's too many times that creepy dudes want to record women or whatever, look at them. Fuck it. You get tissue in the eye.
1: So <laughs> oh, you're saying you're in a you're in a stall in a public bathroom and there's often holes in the wall
0: no i've been to places like you go to a changing room or you go here there and you can see like there's like a little hole
1: why do you have other... toilet paper with you
0: huh do
1: you have toilet paper with you
0: no like tissues like kleenex if it's in the bathroom i'll take toilet paper but you're, right, no, so you're, not, a... A, you're not a woman so you don't keep, keep kleenex on you i'm guessing no i don't you don't keep it in your purse well you know i'm telling poppy because poppy told me that you keep tissues in your purse (laughs) and now you're trying to tell me that you don't so how are you going to stuff things in the holes of the walls ben if you don't have tissues on you be a better woman ben okay (laughs) you know the one fucking statement i hate was when people say do better bitch you fucking do better (laughs) i hate that one okay so everyone including vincent can't find the chest of demons to trap the ghost because they shipped it to each other because Vincent's yeah. like, I shipped it to you, Shaggy. Shaggy's like, no, no, my, I shipped it to you. And he's like, well, what address did you use? And he's like, oh, I used the Himalayan one or whatever. So like, they, they can't find. So that they shipped the chest. Yeah, they shipped it to each other. Yeah. That
1: just seems. That just seems uh, careless.
0: Yeah. Just wait. Just wait. That's not. That's not the end of it. So the gang splits up to look for the chest, and Fred and Velma are together, and Fred walks into a trap set by Flim Flam, who is now the size of a teenager and goes by the name Benny. And it's supposed to be just like a year or so since the TV show, not yeah. 30 something years, right? Right. And so finally somebody does say something to Benny, like, man, you got big real quick. Like you went from the size of an eight-year-old to the size of an 18-year-old. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I had a growth spurt is what he says at one point. Yeah.
1: Is it like one of those winking at the camera moments, even though absolutely. Like
0: yep. Yeah. There's more than one of those. Let me tell you, there's a couple, there's another one coming up.
1: So yeah. Shaggy
0: and Daphne had never mentioned because they remember they never mentioned the whole summer. Right. about flim flam slash benny uh to fred and velma so they don't even know this kid they just walked into his trap but velma does mention the chest of demons and benny's now all in he's like oh i know about the chest of demons i'm all in so velma begins to believe in ghosts because shit starts to happen to her due to these ghost experiences and it is just fucking with her head like she cannot have ghosts be real right Right. so when benny is talking to daphne and shaggy at one point he says hey, we're scrappy. And Velma looks and goes, what's a scrappy? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, they're acting like he was never around. So eventually they find the chest and Asmodeus, the last ghost who's been messing with him, he begins to open the box to let the other ghosts out of the chest. And that's when the gang realizes he shouldn't be because if he's a ghost and not a living person, he can't open that chest, right? Right. So Velma is like, finally like, fuck it, I found a ghost that's not real. Jumps up, basically jumps on his back and pulls off the mask, right? She reveals she reveals that the ghost that's been trying to get them this whole time, Asmodeus, is really Mortifer. And all those years before, he tricked Vincent because he wanted to steal the chest. But Vincent ended up hiding himself so well in the Himalayas that Mortifer couldn't find him. And in the end, he had to pretend to be the 13th ghost to get Vincent out of hiding. Okay? Yeah. But you didn't see that coming, did you, Ben?
1: No, I didn't. So does that mean the 13th ghost is still out there?
0: Yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> So Mortifer opens the chest, and that's when you realize they didn't actually have the chest of demons this whole time. They were carrying around a replica that Shaggy had bought from Benny's tourist shop a long time ago. Yeah. So so even now, they still don't even have the right one, right? So Mortifer gets away, but then he crashes off a bridge, which when I was a kid, you would have popped back up out of the water. (laughs) So Velma gives this theory that the 13th ghost, Vincent's ancestor, was really a guardian good guy ghost this whole time and that he because you see him like quote unquote go into the real chest at this point because vincent is now safe from mortifer and the 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 whole time Asmodeus wouldn't get in the chest because he was trying to save vincent from mortifer so velma goes back to being a science skeptic though immediately as soon as vincent walks away and she's like i was just saying that to spare vincent's feelings ghosts aren't real that's not what happened but then she when she goes over to the real chest of demons because they do find it eventually. And she's like, You could just open this. And everybody's like, Oh my God, she's going to fucking open it. And then she's like, Nah, I guess I won't. <laughs> like, it's in the end. Even she was like, I don't think so. So everybody flies off and they leave Benny slash Flim Flam in the Himalayas. The team decides that they're going to un- retire themselves, although they don't explain how they're going to get around the sheriff. Yeah. And movie over. The end. Everybody's fine. All right. Yeah, it honestly it was really good. My husband's like they did a very good job of addressing Scrappy, the fact that there was only a few of the people from the gang on the TV show, calling back stuff that you learned from the first episode and like in the middle episodes back to the to the movie. Somebody did a very good job. There's a very good writer that writes uh, cartoons.
1: So they probably didn't include Scrappy. Was a he had his own series in the eighties.
0: Okay, so he had a series with Daphne. Or sometimes Daphne, but for sure Shaggy and Scooby, because my husband was trying to prove me wrong, and he ended up proving me right with that. So just this morning, just this morning, bazinga! Yes. (laughs) So isn't there one more thing we you were gonna talk to? Oh yeah, were we gonna talk about um, who would win a fight?
1: Right. Yeah, talk to me,
0: Goose.
1: So, in uh, your other podcast you used to do. Yeah we watched the movie the 1987 masters of the universe
0: absolutely yeah. i was thinking about doing it for this show too because it's a beautiful movie yeah yeah i
1: don't know that's already that ground's already been broken don't you think
0: um not if you're listening to this podcast now.
1: but this is it's like <laughs> a remake you'd be fine okay so <laughs> if anyone cares
0: you'll be um, fine <laughs>
1: anyway so th- that yeah. podcast was more fan less critic and we watched the movie master the masters of the universe from 1987 yeah and the guy playing he-man was dolph lundgren yeah and then uh rambo was played by sylvester stallone
0: uh-huh. as we know yes so you could say he played judge Dredd in a movie
1: well because I, that's I a comic it's book hero so it's not one of his more famous characters
0: I'm a demolition man
1: hmm that's uh, no that's only like okay. one movie
0: rocky oh,
1: okay no, rocky. that's
0: that's then we're referencing the actual movie
1: yeah
0: oh well all right go on
1: <laughs> all right so all right. we do you want to know who would win between a, in a fight between he-man and rambo yes well, you already know, actually.
0: I actually knew before that because I had read that I had read about that before. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, hit me as hard as you can because we want to make this look real. And then Dolph was like, "Okay, bro."
1: <laughs> yeah. So according to this list of movie accidents on Wikipedia, the answer is He-Man. He-Man win between a in a fight between Rambo and He-Man, or He-Man and Rocky, I guess you could say, or He-Man and Judge Dread. Yeah. Or, he man and stop my mom will shoot guy Which
0: I think the, I just saw on Tubi the other day and if I remember correctly I may have seen it in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. There's
1: a lot of good <laughs> movies. There's a lot of good movies on Tubi and I was I was watching uh previews before we recorded today. Oh yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah,
0: I good. saw stop my mom was shooting. I was like talking to my husband I'm like I think I saw that in the fucking theater. <laughs> I saw
1: a lot of bad movies in the theater yeah well it's fun it used to be fun to go to the movies maybe it will be there the theaters are supposed to reopen again so we'll see
0: well i don't like going to movies anymore because movies are too fucking long yeah Now back when they're about an hour and a half to two hours i could just live through the two hours but now they're like three hour odysseys bitch i don't have that much concentration in me i'm hungry i'm tired i want to go home i don't be here all day
1: you have to go Jeez, take all style your this will be
0: back <laughs> like, all right. well with all the
1: things streaming now you should be doing pretty good then
0: yeah i just feel like if you go to a marvel movie and it's three hours and 10 minutes then you come back out of the theater like the next day
1: because you got like just...
0: time to drive there then you got to get in line then you got to wait then you got to get your seat then you got to watch the previews then you watch the movie then you come home it's been like a half a fucking day
1: it's true but you know, what, you know how you get around that oh. don't watch a marvel movie
0: true bro but a lot of movies though, are getting longer and longer have you noticed that yeah. Like let's go back to the 80s standard. 145 is close. That's good. That's great. That is well, plenty you know,
1: when I was looking at uh move 80s movies on Tubi, uh-huh. um a lot of them are right up right about that hour and a half mark, plus or minus yes.
0: Of- yes, and that's I've talked several times, maybe not on this podcast, but I've talked several times where I feel like that is the perfect amount. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Can- 45 minutes to get into the middle, 45 minutes to end, we're good
1: you know realistically you could sit down with us with a drink and a snack and if you go to the bathroom right before you start the movie usually yeah it's it's completely realistic to make it through the whole thing you know you you, you don't finish your drink and snacks so early that you just have mountains of time left afterwards it's not unreasonable amount of time to hold your pee even at your even at your old age
0: see and, uh, yeah you you would know about old age
1: <laughs> i'll get there i'll get there someday but
0: in about 18 months
1: you know what
0: i'm gonna tell you next week What's you know, that? I'm, gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you what the number one song of 1981 was because i know oh, how yeah. much you like to i know how much you like to wait for me to tell you that kind of shit
1: okay yeah I, i'll be waiting with bated breath and anyway. i think i've
0: got a book to tell you about too oh yeah yeah. I just want to tell you that before I forgot. Cause yeah, I was like, I'm looking really movie heavy over here. Yeah. So, so I went in with book. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Tell everyone.
1: <laughs> I will.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah,
1: we're going to wind down the store. We're going to wind down the show here, but we'll just read you. I'm going to read you this little story from Wikipedia that when, uh, and this is how we know that he man yeah. could kick Rambo's ass. Oh yeah. Because in 1985, In the list of movie accidents during Rocky IV, demanding a sense of realism in the boxing match between Rocky Balboa and Ivan Drago, Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren agreed to legitimately spar with each other. But it ended up that Stallone was airlifted from Canada to St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica, California, and placed on intensive care for eight days after Dolph Lundgren delivered a hard punch to his chest, causing his heart to swell and his blood pressure to exceed 200.
0: Yeah, if I understand, he was like, come on, hit me really hard. we got to make this look good. Just then yeah. I like, bang! <laughs> he's
1: like, I think I'm a real boxer. And the fucking heart punch. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not.
0: And I'm like, a it's like, we need to make this look good. And he's like, boom, I hit you like a fucking train. And he's like, train it is. Train so, it is.
1: <laughs> I think the moral of the story for the kids out there is just to stay in your fucking lane. If you're an actor, you're an actor. You're not also a fighter.
0: True. <laughs> yeah don't get all crazy that's you know um I did study martial arts for a while and my friend yeah. uh, Morris has spent literally say that but I've
1: never seen you I've never seen you break a cinder block
0: uh, you know what I stopped right before we got to cinder blocks is what happened <laughs> then my friend Morris um he studied he's he's literally something like a fourth degree black belt I was, the joke I always say is like, he could kill you with a dirty thought. Just look at you real hard. think yeah. Take an angry thought and you die. Yeah. But um, he said that he teaches like kickboxing cardio. And he says, you know, sometimes you'll see the students going at it. He's like, here this is not martial arts. You don't really know how to kick. Okay. Right. This is kickboxing cardio. Someone would, to take you down in a fight, you'd just be a bitch, basically. <laughs> don't, don't let this cardio class make you think you could actually fight somebody. You're going to get beat up. <laughs> I was just like, that's true so okay okay well i will talk to you later ben
1: all right we'll see you next week
0: we'll see you next week where you can hear what the number one song in 1981 was and just so you don't cry about it like you did last time because i can't have that i just want you to know it is a song i did roller skate to. (laughs)
1: okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do the number one song of 1982 just to fuck up your momentum
0: no that's cool because then i'm gonna go into the 90s because i know how much you like that (laughs) Yeah, I'll do the number one song of
1: 1996 because it's not that far from the 80s. It's only 99
0: because it's still a 90, so that's fine. And 90s right (laughs) next to 80, so.
1: (laughs) Sounds great.
0: All right, cool. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All All right. right. (laughs) Like, stay quiet, Allie. Let him just keep going. (laughs) Yeah.